Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Podcast with myself, Randy Boyles, and my co-host, Aaron Tymek. And we are here today to talk to you a little bit about all things we find nerdy. Yes. Alright, so we'll just hop right into it. Uh, since this is the first episode, I figure a good way to introduce you guys to the podcast and to us is to give you guys something out of a comic book, and that is an origin story. So Aaron and I met back in 2011, I think? Oh, right around there. Yeah, uh, we ended up meeting up through a game store that we both went to. Uh, they had a flyer up for a Dark Sun campaign, and the gaming group I was playing with at the time just didn't feel like DMing anymore, and, well, I thought this would be a good way to get a DM for us, and through that, Aaron was one of the other players that we had in the campaign, and I think that that portion of it, actually meeting Aaron, went really well. The uh, The campaign itself, probably not as much. I feel like that was just as much our fault as that sad poor DM's fault, who I saw the other day. Oh, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, you know, the, the problem with his campaign was he based it off of an old Dark Sun video game, and doing that, I think, really ended up hurting him, because it ended up limiting what he could do with us. Well, that... We all found the... I don't know, after the... Yeah. Once he told us it was based off a video game, and we all decided to look it up. Yeah, that probably didn't help much. But it also probably didn't help much that, you know, there were other things going on like, oh, you can't find a rock on the ground, or no, even though you have the strength to lift that up, you can't. Uh, I never had that problem. My issue was being competent at all. I was the eight intelligent scion, if we remember this correctly. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Don't worry. Because character creation was weird. Character creation was weird, but it did lead us to one of our favorite phrases ever, is she prone? Oh, those poor, poor people in the dun So we need more setting than this if we're going to go into this. All right. So all right. in this Dark Sun campaign, we all started as slaves that were being forced to fight an arena. You know, Roman stuff. And... We start off, and we're all good, and we all don't know each other, and we don't like each other, and there's no reason for us not to murder each other, which might have come up once or twice. Maybe. Once or twice. And we're forced to fight these other things, which is great, because we had two people that were really competent, two people that were so-so, and then my character, who was chucking rocks at pillars, because, well, that's all he could do. Well, you know, that was going to be what was going to happen from the outset. One of the cool things about the Athos setting that, that I really liked was that the Bard was more of an assassin-type character than anything else. And so during one of the downtimes between one fight and another fight that we were being kind of shoehorned into, he kind of gave us the ability to sneak around and try and see what we could do. And my character was the best at that. And so I went looking for objects that would help us. Uh, if you've never played the campaign setting before, it's kind of a low magic setting but not really um, magic is gone it's been replaced by these powerful psionics and when you find potions and you, when you find other things that can help you it's usually stored in a fruit um, water is essentially it was like almost a currency wasn't it more or less because it's this planet with three suns like everything as far as we know is desert and yeah, if you don't live in one of these cities and don't live under one of these slavers, you either live in these miserable, miserable outcast towns or die. Yeah. It's 
Mad Max almost. So my character was sneaking around, and uh, if you've ever, ever played D&D before, uh, you know that rogue-type characters, they get sneak attack bonuses. Well, in this, my ro- my bard that I was playing had a sneak attack bonus, and if, if somebody was uh, unaware that I was there, or if they were what's called prone in the game where they can't do anything defensively, I could make essentially a death strike against people. Uh, so as I'm sneaking around, you know, I, we'd run into a couple of guards and we'd taken care of them and my character goes off on his own and I end up finding this slave girl who was in a similar situation to us where she was also another fighter, uh, but she was in her room by herself and when I walked in the room, the first thing that I ended up asking the, D- the DM was, is she prone? And the reason I was asking that was because I wanted to know whether or not I could just eliminate her before we had to deal with her, or if this was going to be something that, you know, she was going to be able to respond to. The gaming group heard me ask if this girl was prone, and I'm pretty sure it devolved into 15, 20 minutes of them just laughing at me asking whether or not this girl was prone. We might have been convinced you were going to molest her. Yeah, well, that wasn't the intention. I mean, I don't know if being murdered is much less or, you know, much higher on the moral ambiguity scale than molesting her, but, you know, my character wasn't into that kind of thing. He was just about murdering people. Oh, so good. Oh, oh wait, no, what was currency? Uh, the fun thing in that was... the. Pottery, like weird pottery chips was currency in this world. That's right, because we found that pot and we asked him if we could break the pot to make currency. <laughs> yeah, we found the whole wall of pots because we found a potion in one of them. And we're like, wait, so if we broke these, this would be money. I I guess so. And we immediately, I think I cast the one spell I had that was useful and shattered all of the things in five feet. Yeah. And we just made all the monies and we couldn't buy our ways out. Yep. That campaign devolved because he wouldn't let us be slavers <laughs> on account of he wanted us to be the good guys. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the, the flaws in any campaign is the DM has one picture of how it's going to go and the party usually doesn't have the same mindset. Especially with our playgroup, because even when our playgroup is good, we're really borderline evil. Yeah, I can I can definitely attest to that, especially in all of the subsequent campaigns that we have ended up playing in. But we're not just here for D&D stuff, we're also here for pretty much all things that are nerdy that are out there. Uh, so to give you guys kind of a sense of where we're coming from when we give you an opinion on something, like, I don't know, did you see the post that I put up about how they're going to make a Booster Gold movie, but it's not going to be in the DCEU? Do you know how excited I am and sad about that at the same time? I'm really happy there's a Booster Gold movie, but I don't know how they can afford to put a movie out right now if it's not going to be attached to their extended universe. But at the same time, I don't know how they can afford to put a character like Booster Gold into their universe. Yeah, they are far too gritty for Booster Gold. But anyway, to give you guys kind of an idea of where our opinions are coming from, to see whether or not you want to agree with us, whether or not you want to blast us, I figure we should give you guys kind of a baseline for where we're at. So what we decided to do is we're going to talk a little bit today about some of our favorite and least favorite things in a couple of the areas that I think that we're going to end up talking about the most. So we're going to talk about uh, today movies, anime, wrestling, and comics, because, well, between the two of us, I'm pretty sure that that's about 90% of our conversations. 
That's like 90% of our lives. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So I want to hop right in, and I want to start with best movie. And I'm going to let you go ahead and take this one. What is the best movie according to you? This is actually the one I had the most trouble with, because then I had to figure out what I would base this also off of. And I'm going entirely off of watchability. Okay. What movie, if I if I had my MTV Cribs episode... What movie would be playing in my bathroom 24 hours a day? <laughs> um, if it's playing in your bathroom, I think we may need to leave that for another day. <laughs> How about we, we stick to the common rooms of your house? That's fair. And I'm going to have to go with Clerks. <sighs> really? I love the dialogue. It's the only. It's one of the few movies that I can have playing all day and not pay attention to. I love the conversations. Because those are our conversations. That's true, and that's I, that's why Kevin Smith made the movie, is he wanted to shoot the film about him. He wanted to show people what it was like to be him, to be one of the clerks in the store. Now, right. now hold on, I need to ask you something. Which ending of Clerks would your ending be? Um, I prefer the real ending, where he kills himself. Okay. See, and that that's that's a big thing because I think that ending kind of changes the whole thing about Clerks because you've got the, the normal ending where the ending is just, you know, all right, we're done. It's kind of like almost Big Lebowski-esque where, you know, this was a chunk of story for some people and then they're just going to move on with their lives, whereas that ending has finality to it. But I also like the idea that this is just a movie about a day. Yep. This isn't big. This isn't epic. It's not meant to be epic. It's just meant to be another day in this poor, poor dude's life. And really, the saddest thing that could happen to Dante in that movie is he lives. <laughs> well, I guess when you put it that way, yeah, yeah, that's kind of true. All right, so I'm going to counter you, and I'm going to say that the best movie ever, and this is, if we're going from a pure watchability standpoint, I have watched this movie more times than is probably legally allowed, Surf Ninjas. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. That wasn't what I was expecting you to say. With with Eddie Reyes Jr. Eddie Reyes as as his uncle and Leslie Nielsen as the bad guy. It is just, it's got Tone Loke in it. It is a movie you can sit down and you can watch a hundred times because you know it's not a good movie. You go into it knowing that it's almost like Evil Dead in how you have to go into it knowing it's not a good movie, but you're gonna get out of it what you're gonna get out of it. You get. Rob Schneider thinking he can blow up houses with his mind. You get people using the game gear, which uh, I don't even want to get started on the double A monster that that machine was. Being able to tell the future and control the future. You get just this action scene at the end where there's actually good fighting going on. And like even by today's standards, some of the choreography they did was really good in this terrible movie that just happens to have Tone Loke in it. Why? Why does it have I, Tone Loke in it? No, I absolutely will pull up the Wikipedia after you said that and started reading about this movie. Oh, no, that, this movie is awesome. I, I have seen this movie, I unhealthily, I will tell you. When I was younger, I probably watched it like at least once every other day, or at least it was on in the background while I was doing something. I love this movie. Now, if I'm going from a movie that I think everybody will know and everybody will get on, Aladdin. Aladdin is it for me because it, it just has everything. Even though Disney had to edit it to make it so that it wasn't racist, 
I, I love Aladdin. I love the story arc to it. I love Genie in it. Everybody loves Genie in it. But it has Jafar and Iago, who I think are two of my favorite villains outside of a comic book universe. So you actually answered the question that I was going to ask you next, and I already knew it, but what was your favorite Disney movie? Oh, Aladdin. And it's obviously Aladdin. Yeah. No, oh, I, I right. knew it was Aladdin, but Aladdin. I didn't know if it would make your favorite movie. Oh, yeah, no, Aladdin for days. Aladdin is is it for me when it comes to Disney or mainstream movies, because I will never call Surf Ninjas a mainstream movie. That's one of those movies that they released, and when they released it, the execs probably looked at each other and said, we're never getting a sequel off of this. <laughs> but it had, it, it had a test release... Did it before? Uh, yeah, it released in Evansville, Indiana, in Lubbock, Texas, that, as part of its retest regional markets. That was a terrible place to test that movie because it was all about gaming and releasing in Indiana. Ah, I don't know about that. I don't know. But all right, so let's flip the script. Let's go to worst movie of all time. Um. So my answer. I'll actually. I'll let you go first this time. All right. All right. I have so, a lot to do so with this answer. I have. I have two. And one of them, this is this is how it works. One of them is the worst movie of all time, and I have never seen it. The other one is the worst movie of all time that I've actually seen. So the worst movie of all time that I have actually seen, Highlander 2. <laughs> Highlander 2 is a steaming pile of garbage that just takes the entire first movie, wraps it up in a ball, and shoves it right up his ass. Because it's negates everything that happened in the first movie. It takes this chronology that ended up spawning a TV series and multiple movies afterwards, and pretty much nobody even pays attention to the second movie and that it existed, because it is a giant pile of garbage. Ramirez Wait, comes back to life. which one is Highlander 2? This is the one where Ramirez comes back to life, and the Highlanders turn out to be these aliens from another planet, and, to, okay, to easily, oh, no, this to is the one that Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, the Highlander series. Yes, because th- what this movie did, the bad guy's name was General Katana. You know you're getting a good movie with a bad guy named General Katana. And essentially all they did was, man, that Highlander movie is really good. What if we tried to make it more Blade Runnery, and then let's release that? There was things about the ozone in there, and about how there was the shield, and the only way to destroy the shield was to use enough energy to destroy the planet. And it, it, just a god awful movie. Now, for a movie that I haven't seen, that is the biggest pile of garbage, Michael Bay's Turtles. Refuse to see it. Refuse to have anything to do with it. There, now, there is a legitimately good scene in the first one. I, I don't care, because you know what? For starters, they wanted to make the white guy a Rokusaki. And they wanted to make them mutants. They wanted to make them... Or not mutants. They wanted to make them aliens. They wanted to do all kinds of things with that series that were wrong. The Turtles... Uh, I, I, don't, I just don't think Turtles translate well out of comics into CGI characters and I say that from I say that that way because I still think that Turtles 1 and Turtles 2 as as bad as they were cinematically for those characters it was pretty good. I loved those movies. Now Turtles in Time, the third one, eh, you know, it was all right. They probably shouldn't have done it, but you know, me growing up I I still watched it and I still thought it was awesome. I I okay. That's fine. I can understand you not being morally happy with the Turtles remake, and I get it. It's a bad movie. I watched it in theaters because I make bad life choices. Yes. 
All right, but you so, should watch the Master Splinter fight scene. I I'm not gonna do it. I I will never have anything to do with that. And even with even with Turtles two coming out, with Michael Bay releasing Turtles two, it looks like they're trying to get back to it. They're tr- they're gonna in- introduce the Turtle Van. They're gonna have Bebop and Rocksteady. They're gonna. It looks like they're planning on doing a lot of good things. Still won't see it. But but there's a wrestler in that one. Now it's comic books and wrestling. Uh, comic books and wrestling. All right. So what is it? What is the worst film in the Timex household? So I had to think about this one all of five seconds, and this answer is probably going to change in, like, I don't know, a couple of months. But I just recently watched this movie because it just recently came out. I want to start off this start this off by saying one of my least favorite people in Hollywood is Seth Rogen. All right. Because I've never seen him play anything other than Seth Rogen. Well, I mean, there are a lot of actors, though, that can just play themselves and, like... You will never see uh, Tommy Lee Jones doing anything but be Tommy Lee Jones, and I will go see every Tommy Lee Jones movie. And I think Tommy Lee Jones is an actual deep character, not something deserving of barely even like a side note in a film. All right, so what is it? I watched Sausage Party. See, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm going to be honest, it looks really funny. I thought so, too. So here's the thing that i love about sausage party first off there are things i genuinely love about this film i love that it is so close to being this great commentary on religion i think that's fantastic okay i think the animation is fine it's one of the better animations that we've seen out of a animated movie in a long time that's fine and and they did it for a super low budget compared to all of those other movies that are out there that are using similar cgi because i think it was like 35 million dollars or something like that for all of the actors who were involved you know to get that kind of animation you're you're looking good so so where did the bad come well the third good thing is one of my favorite things is old-timey looney tunes racism all right because I think it's hilarious. Well, we grew up on that, so yes, that's funny to us. Right. Note, I don't support it. I myself appreciate them as a joke. Now, the bad start stuff starts coming in with that old-school Looney Tunes racism was just awful at some points. It didn't add to anything. It was kind of forced in a lot of areas. Just didn't care for it, generally speaking. So, what you're telling me is, you would much rather sit down and watch Catwoman starring Halle Berry over Sausage Party. Oh, hands down. Hands down. On top of this, this movie attempted to make three plots, and I think that's terrible. There were three bad plots. One of them could have been good. And they didn't play to... Like, it's just disappointing because they had this potential for this awesome commentary. Like, religious commentary piece and they didn't go anywhere with it at the end of like so picture a movie better yet picture a comedian picture louis ck setting up one of his jokes okay and he tells a long format joke as we all know yep now when he's about to get to the punchline of said joke imagine he just held the microphone up to his butt and farted (laughs) (laughs) well I, i mean that works for some people it's okay once or twice. I don't know if the whole movie deserves it. Like, it was just so disappointing. I didn't really laugh. It forced terrible stoner jokes, which I expected there to be some of, and I don't necessarily dislike those jokes. Like I said, Clerks is probably my favorite movie. It's forced. It's awful. I hate it. And then on top of that, I wanted to like it. 
Yeah, but you just hate Seth Rogen, so that already went, was starting in a bad spot for you. I, I actually had high hopes after seeing the trailer. Oh, and the murder scenes. So we watch all the food murder scenes, right? And we think they're going to be these awesome, like, food adaptations of classic slasher films. And they aren't. You saw all of the food murder scenes already in the trailer. Oh, all right. See, now that's sad. That uh, There should be more food, food murder than just like, what was in the trailer. See, there I, might be one or two. I hate that about trailers nowadays, because trailers <laughs> nowadays give you everything you know everything going in they put all of the biggest and baddest scenes all of the best one-liners or they pull a suicide squad and show you all of these scenes that aren't actually in the movie yeah like that didn't happen everything you saw in the movie was there um the main plot like the ending plot was awful there's one redeeming quality to this movie they're hunting down to kill seth rogan that's what what i'm reading online is that that's what happens at the end Oh, yeah, yeah, no, they plan to kill Seth Rogen and the director and a bunch of Hollywood people. <laughs> Alright, so then what's what's the terrible thing? No, no, the redeeming quality at the end. Oh, okay. There is a giant supermarket-sized food orgy. Oh. That, so That's redeeming? It's so funny. I stand by this, like, if this film would have been on, like, a college humor website, it would have been nothing. But the trailer and then the leaked scene of the food orgy at the end, it would have been the perfect movie. It would have been movie of the year. <laughs> all right. All right. So jumping off of <laughs> a- animated, because we had Sausage Party, uh, we'll go to anime, because that is a huge thing for me, and that's where a majority of my nerddom lives is in anime. Um, you know, our comic love, our anime love, even our wrestling love can sometimes transition themselves into movies but for me it goes back to anime uh when i was growing up lived in hawaii for a little while had access to a lot of anime when i was growing up that a lot of other people didn't and now it's booming it's become this huge thing there's cons going on for it every weekend in every state it's it's a big thing so we'll go to our animes next and best anime of all time has to be dragon ball the original i i don't think that there is another anime out there that has done for anime outside of like Astro Boy what the original Dragon Ball did to be able to bring people to anime and show them that it's more than just cartoons. It's cartoons with story and plot that you can get attached to characters and see them grow and and not have it be this episodic, oh, here's a one-shot, now that will never affect anything ever again. All right, I can get behind that. I'm happy you went with Dragon Ball because I would have argued with Dragon Ball Z for months and a half. Well, okay, so I think that Z was amazing up until the end of the the Namek saga with Frieza and then parts of the Cell saga and parts of the Buu saga. Now, pretty much everything in between is a big, giant pile of nothing and waste and terribleness because I, I honestly there's a lot of constipation going on and a lot of powering up going on but there was not as much plot going on outside of the 17 piccolo fight which is my favorite fight in all of anime ever so i agree that dragon ball z is fine up until about i don't even give it all of the namek stuff i give it like half where where in where do you think it goes too far um, I think that the Frieza fight taking 30 episodes is ridiculous. Well, I agree that taking 30 episodes is ridiculous. They could have cut a lot of that out if they, I mean, the planet was supposed to blow up in, 
you know, a few minutes and then it ends up taking a million and a half episodes. But I still think there was a lot of story building going on. They needed to show what was going on in other places. But yeah, no, I definitely think that that fight could have been cut down. But still, the culmination of that fight is really, I think, where you have this huge buildup that's been building for, you know, through the original saga, up through the Namek saga, and then into there, and you just, it's building and building, and you get there, and then, of course, Krillin dies, because that's what Krillin has to do in Dragon Ball Z, and you get Super Saiyan, and then, you know, from there, now this once legendary thing, oh, everybody can do it, you just gotta train a little bit more. What, like, were, what were people doing before this? Like, when there were lots of Saiyans out there, were none of them just strong? Were they all just, like, scrubs running around with Vegeta power levels? Like, that... That's well. I mean, not Vegeta power levels. He was the strongest Saiyan ever. Yeah, except not because he wasn't. Oh, even... by far. No, because I mean. Oh no, yeah, no. I'm saying he wasn't by far. He gets his ass kicked by all of the things except Raditz. Yeah, and Nappa. <laughs> oh, Nappa. <laughs> but yeah, no. Like, so my big issue with Dragon Ball is after the Namek saga, everything just follows the same pattern. Uh, bad guy shows up. Good guys lose good guys continue to lose for a little while longer they get a little bit of hope it gets crushed again Goku shows up Goku fights bad guy Goku loses his shirt Goku does some new thing Goku wins basically yeah and after a while it wasn't even a new thing after a while it was just this is a better Kamehameha yeah well and see and they wanted to change it after the Cell Saga they wanted to turn it over to Gohan and have Gohan be the new lead character but the fans revolted they didn't want anything to do with it and then that turned Gohan into the great Saiyaman yeah, that's why nobody wanted him. Yeah, that's why everyone he, revolted no, because we decided oh. he could have been cool, and then they great Siamond him, and that was just terrible. All right, all right. So we got mine. I I'm gonna put out there right now that I already think that I know what your favorite anime is going to be, and so I'm gonna guess, and you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. Rockley and Friends. Um, no, but it's in the same vein. It's really close. I love Rock Lee and his ninja pals. I think it's amazing because. It's Naruto without Naruto, and it's silly. And how else would you know that Guy has a special attack that requires him to wear a, a swan suit? As does, um, also I learned that Rock Lee always wears a bathing suit underneath his, uh, gi. Because well, sometimes you just have to do transformation jutsu. And you need to be prepared, that makes sense. Alright, so if it's not Rock Lee and his ninja pals, what is it? I'm gonna go with Shin-chan. Okay, I can give you that. I I love Shin Chan. Shin Chan had me from the very first episode with allow ants peas. Uh, um, it had me off the very first episode of to be a man you must have honor. Honor, honor, and, and a penis. Don't half-ass it, old man. Oh, uh, it's so good. All of the jokes, even though they're not even almost relevant timeline-wise, are very well put in there for the most part. And I love that they constantly pick on Power Rangers and stuff like that and Prince Planet and Ultraman and all of those style of shows. All right, yep, I, I can give you that. All right, let's go to your worst. This is one I actually have a lot of trouble with because there's so many I just don't like for so many reasons. Like, I want to say Hunter Hunter, but it's still watchable. Like, I'll watch new stuff to see if they actually ever elaborate on their universe. Mm-hmm. I want to say things like, I honestly, I just, I, I can't stand Dragon Ball Z after the first two 
like whatever. But you, but you can't you can't just take those parts. You have to look at the anime as a whole. So what anime as a whole is their worst? That's the issue. Is I don't think there necessarily is one. There's a bunch I don't like. I don't know if there's one that I think is just completely unwatchable. Oh, see, I have one that for me, I, I watched the whole thing and episodes one and two. You got into it. And they were building this great premise, and then from there, it was nothing but fan service and ultraviolence, and it was terrible, and it was Triage X. It just came out uh, it, this uh, 2015, I want to say, is when it came out, and it starts off, and you've got these guys, and the whole plan behind this anime is that they are part of this elite force, these, these, med- these medical doctors have built these teams that go in and take out the quote cancers of society and it starts really good and it's all about motorcycles and black ops and you get this really cool scene where this guy gets executed with a flaming crossbow while he's in a warehouse just goes through his head and it's awesome and then from there none of the characters ever get a story like they don't even really talk about the lead doctor who's supposed to be choosing these things or or any of the team members outside of the two that have this really crappy love story later on don't get me wrong the animation for it looks nice and if you just want to watch ultraviolence and turn your brain off and not think about it yeah you can get there but if you're actually like thinking about this and you're like oh this could be a really great story and then they just shit on it for the remaining episodes you know, that does actually inspire me and there is one that I'll go on the record and put as my least favorite All right, what is with it? that um, Dead Man Wonderland, if you're familiar. <sighs> Dude, Dead Man Wonderland would have been so much better if there was a second season. Dead Man Wonderland would have been so much better if they would have changed plots every five episodes. If they would have ever, like, gone into any actual, like, once again, it comes into, I like my world to be defined. Right. I love the idea of this weird privatized prison theme park thing. I think that's amazing. Where they're killing people off for sport. More or less, yeah, but, like, even then, most of the stuff you watch isn't that, but it's still just run by whatever. Um, I understand that they're collecting these people with powers, because powers are spooky. <laughs> I wish we got a better explanation as to that, uh, I can't even remember her name, it's been so long since I watched this, the chick that is the a rabbit? weird cat thing, and also the big bad guy. The rabbit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, like, so then we finally get, oh, this is the prison, it kind of does these things and more, maybe we'll learn more about it. Nope, you get dragged to secret underground death camp area. What? <laughs> okay, fine, we're down here, let's learn all of this stuff. Alright, you're fighting in this weird tournament of all of these people with random blood powers. Well, to be fair, sure. the, the tournament with all the weird random blood powers was down in the basement, it wasn't part of everything else. But yeah, like, all of a sudden, everybody has all of these weird red dead powers. And that that was kind of weird. I, I can give you that. But I do think that if they'd had more time with it, if they thought they were going to get more episodes, they, it probably could have been stretched into something good. Because I think that there was at least something good in each episode, but it did feel rushed. It's a thing, yeah, no, there was something good in each episode, and there was something good in all 30 plots they put forward in their nine episodes. I, like, I just want a little more focus. All right, all right. And talking about not having focus, then, Let's go to wrestling, because wrestling <laughs> is about the most unfocused thing I've ever seen, and I'm pretty sure it runs on like a three-year clock where they just decide, oh, we can just reuse that old story again, and no one will notice. So, let's start with you, best wrestler. 
All okay. time. So, my first one, and I'm sure you're going to make me repick after I say my first wrestler, I want to say Zangief. You have to repick because you need to pick a wrestler for WWE, WWF. We'll stick to there. We'll stick to there. We won't go too crazy talking about Ring of Honor or anything like that. WWE, WWF wrestler. Okay, so so Street Fighter characters don't count. Street Fighter characters don't count. I'm going to go Bret Hart. Okay, I could give you that. Bret Hart. The excellence of execution. Yep, Montreal Screwjob. Everybody knows about that. If you don't know about that, uh, what ended up happening was uh, Bret Hart was set to leave to go to the WCW, and he was the current champion. He was supposed to wrestle, and he was supposed to lose the belt. Uh, Well, he was actually supposed to keep the belt, and then it was going to be turned over. But Vince McMahon was concerned that he was going to take the belt over to WCW and do something dishonorable with the belt. So he ends up screwing him out of it by going down and telling the ref to say that he gave up when, in fact, he didn't. So just to that point, Brett, or Brett even after he goes to WCW? Um, he's okay in WCW. I really prefer Heart Foundation Brett. Okay, so earlier Brett. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that I, I think that I would agree with you. I think that he would probably be in my top five. Uh, he is not my number one. My number one is somebody who I think did something similar, but later I would go with Chris Jericho. Okay. Yeah. No, Chris Jericho is awesome. He's one of the few people. Uh, never had a real career-threatening injury. Like, he's had little ones here and there, but he still gets to claim he's injury-free his whole career. Yep. Starts off as one of the most innovative high flyers American wrestling has because he really started the springboard craze with his lion salt. Yep. He Well, he had um, gotten that from a lot of the Japanese and Mexican guys. Yep, and someone, yeah, he was doing it in, like on a whim. He was just, well, can you do this? And he was like, probably, I'm Chris Jericho, and did it. Yep. Well, and, and the big thing for me is that Jericho could play the face or the heel equally well, and he could do either of them on a dime. You know, if he needed the crowd to hate him, he could easily do that. If he needed the crowd to love him, he could do that. But the thing is, is he never seemed to me, and one of the things that dinged people like Triple H out of this for me, is he never seemed to do it for himself. It was always for putting the brand over. Um, you know, and I think that's why they gave him the first unified title with the WCW WWE titles, because, you know, he was a real company guy, you know, he wanted to put people over, he wanted to seem strong enough that you could put him against anybody and realistically he could win, but also strong enough that he could lose to somebody to put them over and still seem like a threatening thing the next night. That's fair. Um, I want to compare Chris Jericho to a current wrestler that I know you don't like and I honestly don't much care for either I'm listening. I like um the Miz is very similar to don't, Chris Jericho no, the Miz can go back to freaking real world or whatever he came from well, that, that's fair let me but let me go through that now the thing about Chris Jericho is once again he's never really been injured so he's always been able to wrestle if he's not doing side projects right the Miz who's never been injured can always wrestles he's not doing side projects. Now there's a reason we still like Chris Jericho more. He has a better, he has a more entertaining style of wrestling. And so now they can both claim to have never had a serious injury. Okay. Chris Jericho's claim though is so much more profound when we think of, he's a high flyer to an extent, especially back in the day. Well, and a guy who was jumped off cages. He's a dude who's been in extreme matches. He was an ECW. Yep. 
Yep. No, I'll give you that. And and the the level of matches that he's been in and the brutality of some of the matches, like you know, yes. Spoiler alert: Wrestling is fake. We all understand that. There's scripting to some point, but when you get thrown off the top of the hell in a cell and you land through a table, you're still falling thirty feet. And and he's done that and not been injured and come out of a lot of really rough matches and been able to keep up and keep going at it. And you know, a lot of the things that he did harken back to some of those old guys that you love harken back to Bret Hart with his technical style harken back to Roddy Piper with his mic skills yep those are all true and all while keeping a very interesting wrestling style yes now I'm going to go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum with the guy that I hate the most in wrestling Ultimate Warrior oh that's fair that's really fair Ultimate Warrior I don't know I don't know if you're if you can remember his old promos that he would do but he would just get up there and he would ramble and it wouldn't have anything to do with anything but it was very oh and it didn't have anything to do and then he had three moves he had the body press where he just flops onto you the body for the running body press where he just hits you with it when he's running at you and the lariat and the whole reason that he became popular was because he was teamed up with hulk hogan as oh look at this big ultimate warrior guy we're gonna really push him even though he's useless yeah so yeah that's that's that's, that's my worst is is ultimate warrior so i'm gonna keep my least favorite in this century all right i hate with a fiery passion, do you care to guess? Well, if I was going to guess, and it's this century, I mean, my, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, It's really close. Okay, so there's a part of me, I don't like The Rock at all. Right, I can understand that, but he's not this century. He's He was an NWO. That, that's fair, that's what I'm Nation saying, is he's not this century. He was close, though. He's my second, probably. Yeah, he's, he's a modern-day Hulk. Because I think to qualify, you've got to be of some relevance. Right. I can't just be like, man, you know who I hate? Shockmaster, who never wrestled, but he had a promo that one time. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what the Shockmaster is, you should Google that. It's amazing. All right, so then what's it going to be? I, I despise John Cena. Oh, yeah, no. Now, as a, as a human being, he's a great <laughs> dude. Yes, I agree. He I... does all of the charity work. He's always there as a career man. He's great for the company. I understand why WWE loves him because John Cena legitimately loves WWE, which is enough to normally make me like a dude. And then I watch John Cena matches and they're awful. Yes. Just the worst. I don't understand why he gets to kick out of everything ever. Well, and and then on top of that, you know, how long can you go with this you can't see me see the nation thing because i think it's going on like 142 years that he's been doing this gimmick and it's never changed it's always the same thing he hasn't yeah, no. he hasn't expanded his move set at all he, he's had two gimmicks no all right that's my other favorite thing is whenever there's a lot of flack that he's receiving extra flack for not knowing any moves because every couple of years like the universe will catch on and be like hmm he doesn't seem to know how to do anything more than a back body drop an elbow drop and then the attitude adjustment well, i wonder no, if he's no. a wrestler he's got that stfu thing where he locks the guy up on the ground too yeah no that's fine that i give him credit for having a submission hold <laughs> you would think with that i would like him more yep I just don't. And then whenever, whenever he gets the flack for not having any moves, 
he goes and does something really fucking weird looking. Like, have you seen his weird flippy dippy powerbomb thing? No, I, I, you, you know that I, I don't watch much anymore outside of highlights that you send me. That's fair. And like, it's the most awkward looking move ever. Like he wraps his legs around him and they do a weird somersault into an awkward powerbomb looking thing. Or like he does a springboard stunner, which is the laziest springboard move ever. <laughs> and yeah. it's so terrible. I, I don't understand why people like him. I understand why you want him on the mic because you think his chops are good there. Even there, I mean, he's he. He's I would cut put him... the same promo every single time he's cut a promo for the last ten years. Yeah, I would say that you know if he were back when they were really doing promos, he would have been mid tier at best, inter intercontinental guy at best. Because... I don't think that he holds a candle to Enzo Amore right now. Well, that's just because <laughs> Cena is soft. S a w f t soft. And I only know that because you made me watch that thing, and it was really good. That guy's got some mic skills. I'm pretty sure that the other guy he's with, the big cast guy, is nothing but a big guy, though. No, no, he's had mic skills on his own, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was doing the soft thing before Enzo got around. Like, in NXT, he was his own thing for a little bit, and he was also popular. Yeah, but he's he's popular now because of the guy he's with. Similar to the Road, road Dog and Billy Gunn. You got a mic man, and you got a guy who can work. That's but fair. in this, I don't think you got a guy that can work. Uh, fun fact about Enzo. You want to know why he became, why he got pushed in NXT? Why? Um, so he's a so-so wrestler at best sometimes. Now, he got pushed because they gave him a mic one night, and two people heard it. John Cena and Dusty Rhodes. Okay. And then, now Dusty Rhodes, I love Dusty Rhodes. I Dusty, love Dusty Rhodes, Rhodes was a slightly above average wrestler. Yep. Now, you put that man a mic, and he spits pure gold all day, every day. Yeah. And then John Cena. Who is John Cena? Right. People like his mic skills. Um, he, Dusty Rhodes and John Cena insisted he get more mic time at events. And that's effectively why Enzo and Cass are popular. The I forget the guy who runs NXT. Not oh, William Regal. He's the commissioner and all that jazz and runs the training center. I love William but, Regal. So good. He's a company man. He's probably up there on my favorites. He he is good. I've I've loved Regal forever because he plays that role so well, and he doesn't he doesn't need to change the role because the role works. Whereas I don't think the Cena Nation "You Can't See Me" thing works. It never worked for me. Obviously, it works for all the people who were in the stands, but I think that's probably because it's easy to follow along with. I think the implication is you can't see me because I just gave you a concussion and your vision's bot like blotchy. <laughs> All right, all right. So we we need to get comics in here. So for comics, I, I already know you know where I'm going to go with this. I've got Green Lantern tattooed on my body. Best issue, best comic ever in my opinion, Volume 3, Issue 54 of Green Lantern, when Kyle Rayner finds his girlfriend chopped up in the fridge. Major Force had gone and done the unthinkable, killing off the Green Lantern's lady, especially after this is the same woman who was like, oh man, you have to accept these powers, you have to do something good with it, and then he finds her chopped up. It, it defines Rainer for me, and it's why I love Rainer so much, and, you know, before that, Hal was it, Hal, Hal was where I was, I loved him turning into Parallax even, everything about it was great. But Kyle Rayner's arc, especially from going from being Kyle Rayner the Green Lantern, who suddenly doesn't have a weakness to yellow because superpower Ganthet, to 
absorbing and becoming ion and then giving up the ion power to reform the core and then going through the whole darkest night thing becoming the first white lantern now doing god knows what because you know he's kyle rayner but that issue for me summed up what i want out of my comic i want a strong hero i want a strong villain, especially even Major Force isn't even a good villain, but he did something above and beyond that made it stick out and go, okay, Major Force is a bad guy and a real bad guy. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I think he's in my top three Green Lanterns. Yeah, well, that's just because you're a bad person. All right, so what's it going to be? What's your best comic or best comics? So my best, it's going to be comics because it's, uh, limited series is going to be Old Man Logan. Alright, I, I can dig on that. I loved Old Man Logan. I think Old Man Logan, the original Old Man Logan, I haven't read any of the sequel stuff, and I, I don't know, know that I intend to. Stuff. Yeah, because it, it, was, it was good. Why would you mess with that? Right, like, it's a perfect self-contained story, and I understand that we're comic nerds, and we have to poke and pry and prod at everything, but, like, leave it alone. It's this great story. It develops this really interesting future for the Marvel Universe <clears throat> where supervillains control all of I shouldn't say supervillains, mostly supervillains control all of, at the very least North America. Hey, hey, and blind guys can get driver's license. Don't don't forget that. They can. Now I say mostly North America because the symbiotes control, like, the Midwest. Right. And that's and, like, so this comic book is a pacifist uh, Wolverine, which I'm interested. You've got my attention already. Yep. Raising a family, you've got and farming, you've got my attention. Gets held up effectively by Hulk mobsters, trying to get him to pay them for his land and whatnot. So he goes on a job with blind Hawkeye in the Spider Mobile <laughs> across the country to deliver some stuff to a dude. Yep. Well, and and I just think that it encapsulated. Everything that Wolverine wasn't and still made it good to read. Because when you think of Wolverine, you don't think of him as an old pacifist who's, you know, just settled down and doing his thing. You think of Wolverine and you think, you know, 90s cartoon Wolverine with the yellow and black, always being angry, cutting the first guy who looks at him wrong and calling him bub afterwards. You don't think of this... I'm old, I'm a farmer, this is what I do now. And and for to see how his pacifism and how him fighting against his natural urges throughout the story arc, I think it was great. Well, especially since, you're right, you initially don't think of pacifist Wolverine, but then you think of Wolverine's past and you think of all the stuff he's seen and all he's done and everything he's put up with, and it really makes sense for pacifist Wolverine. Yep. <clears throat> and then about halfway through the story, he tells the story of why he's a pacifist and it does something that it honestly would take a lot of effort to do in my opinion without a flashback scenario like that mm -hmm. and it makes mysterio a reasonable villain <laughs> mysterio has always been a reasonable villain uh spider-man from the 90s told me that okay sure nerd special effects man is a reasonable villain i sure dude look at any of spider-man's villains <laughs> all of them are junk that's, I mean, Dr. Octopus is almost reasonable. Okay. Dr. Octopus and Kraven are the only two believable Spider-Man villains to me. Venom. No, because I don't see Venom as a bad guy. 
Well, he's not, depending on who he's on. Well, and yeah, Venom is Venom himself is not a bad guy. And even when Venom is a bad guy, for the most part, I'm kind of on board with what Venom's doing. Trying to kill Spider-Man? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, but that's because I don't like Spider-Man. And, you know, if, if Sean or somebody that we knew who loved Spider-Man heard that, it would be sacrilege. But eh, I don't like Peter Parker. I'm not a fan of angsty little teenage nerdy guys either. Yep. All right. So for worse for me, I I'm returning to the realm of the Green Lantern, but I'm going <clears throat> back. I'm going back to the original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and his weakness to wood. Because one time a guy snuck up behind him and hit him with a wood club, so he thought he was weak to wood, and suddenly he's weak to wood. Now, don't get me wrong. The weak to wood jokes, Alan Scott. The fact that his character is gay now, there's a lot to be said there. But I actually think that Alan Scott is now a compelling character, but the original run Green Lantern could not stand, cannot stand, never thought I would like it. When Hal Jordan took over as Green Lantern, it was the greatest thing that ever happened for me. It's also important to remember that, like, Alan Scott isn't a Green Lantern in the way that we think of Green Lanterns, though. But he, because he has a magical Green Lantern that is separate from the other Green Lanterns. Yeah, well, I, the, I get it's, that. Well, it's not even magical. It's strictly technology. Like, he built it. Yeah, still. It, it, Alan Scott and his whole weakness to wood bothers me. I There's nothing that can happen that will get me over it, and I just don't think that his character, until they brought it back, it reintroduced him, did some new things with him, got him involved with Jade and Obsidian, Everything that they're doing with him now, I think they've turned him around, and I think that he's a good character now. But yeah, no, worst for me has to be original uh, Alan Scott. I mean, so wait, where do we stand on Hal Jordan's initial weakness to the color yellow? Just yellow things. He could I, not affect I yellow. Dig, I dig on it, because they built on it and they explained it. The parallax entity was inside the lantern that was powering him, so he was weak to yellow. That makes sense to me. And when the Parallax Demon gets expelled, no longer do they have the yellow weakness, which is why Kyle's Ring didn't have a yellow weakness, because Parallax wasn't in the the battery anymore. Okay, okay, that's fine. I can dig on that. I can agree with that. Just seems like a half-assed weakness. I think that you should shut up. And I, I mean, if think... I paint the same club that I hit Alan Scott with yellow, I'm hitting Hal Jordan. I just want to point that out. Yeah, you could technically also pee through a Green Lantern shield. That depends on how hydrated you are. Yeah. Also, how mad would you be as the Green Lantern if you <laughs> you're fighting some dude and he knows he's gonna lose and he's like, ah, fuck it, just starts peeing on you. Yeah, well, what are you gonna do? All right, so worst comic ever. This is another really weird one for me because there's a lot of characters I just don't like, and I think that my pick is gonna be weird. My Worst comic ever are most of, and yes, there's going to be more than one to this, and there's going to be explanation, is most of the issue ones of the new 52 relaunch of DC. Specifically the Batman ones. Now, the reason being, towards the end, before the new 52, we see Batman stuck in weird time travel mode. Yep. We see, which is the key to this. So we see Dick Grayson take over as Batman. Now, I'm going to honestly say Dick Grayson as Batman is one of my top ten like Batman story arcs. Mm-hmm. It also puts Damian Wayne as Robin. Okay. Now, as we know, we hate Damian Wayne. We all hate Damian Wayne. I'm pretty, pretty sure that's across the entire comic collective. Except for, there's one time where I absolutely love Damian Wayne, and I think he has one of my favorite issues of Batman. 
is when he dies. No, no, no. There's it's before the relaunch. Oh, in okay. The, um, it's a Christmas time episode where they're doing a charity event in uh, Dick and Damien and whatever other Bat family happened to be in Gotham at the time. Go to this charity event at a shelter, and Damien Wayne is telling the story. Is telling a story of the best person he's effectively ever met. He's telling the story of Dick Grayson and how Damian Wayne is started off basically hating him. Mm-hmm. And he's using different characters. It's metaphor shenanigans. Right. Selling how he started off kind of hating him. He didn't understand him. He thought he was weak. And then as he builds, he grows respect for him. He couldn't really imagine being a Robin to a different Batman, even to an extent. Mm-hmm. And how he's grown to idolize the ideals that Dick Grayson brings to the Batsuit. Okay. And I think it was really powerful, and we got this Damian Wayne that's becoming a real character, something we've never seen Damian Wayne be. No, he's always been something to push the story forward. Right. And then, like, two, three months later, we get the new 52 relaunch, and Damian Wayne's back to being kind of dick-nosed Damian Wayne. I'm killing people because people are trying to hurt us, and they need to die. Man. Man, 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 man. And just loses all of it and I think it was such a disappointment to me tell me it, how you really feel oh it just killed me and it was I, I was rarely as mad as that also the reason new 52 issue ones get picked is they killed my favorite character of all time and replaced him with a younger stupid clone with the green lantern with, by replacing him with essentially Connor yes and with green arrow Ollie? because yeah Oliver Queen is one of my favorite... Is not even one of... He is my favorite character. Period. Ever. With his arrow cave? I I mean, that's fine. I don't necessarily love him for his gadgets. I love him because... He stand, like So he's the one character who, no matter what, has stood for what he's believed in. Okay. And my examples of this are going to be Injustice and The Dark Knight Returns. Every other superhero is effectively alive. if Or retired, or something along those lines. And then we have Oliver Queen, who, in one of them, has to have his arm removed so he'll stop fighting crime. Mm-hmm. And in the other one, Superman felt the only thing he could do was kill him to stop him. Okay. Because, and Oliver Queen's not dumb. He knew these were hap- was going to happen. And he stood up that strong. And now we have new Oliver Queen, and he's Connor. And I like Connor, but Connor isn't Oliver Queen. I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think for the most part, most people don't think that the new 52 relaunch was great. Um, I t- do think that some good things came out of it. But yeah, no, I think for the most part, you're, you're on there. Um, while we were talking, though, and while you were talking about Old Man Logan, if I have to think of my favorite comic arc or comic book stories that I thought were the best, definitely has to be World War Hulk which is really hard for me to say as a, a DC fan, but World War Hulk was really well done. That's fair. No, like, I'm by, I'm by and large a DC fan, and I just think Old Man Logan was a great future story. Also, it sees the end to one of the best rivalries ever in the Hulk and Wolverine. It does. It does. So, with that, I think that we're going to be coming up to the end of the show here. Uh, So, what we have done with this show is going to be a lot like this. It's going to be us talking about things that 
come up in the news that we see, things that we're going back and reading old comic books and we just feel like we need to talk about. And if there's anything that the listeners want to hear about, uh, either us ramble about or if you want our opinion on something or if you just want us to talk about it and debate about it, feel free, shoot it to us. We have got a Twitter account out there at two nerds podcast and we also have a facebook site up uh feel free to get through us get at us through either of those our website should be up and running soon we've got everything in place for that we just haven't quite managed to pull the trigger on that uh beyond that uh i think that this is going to be the beginning of something really great and as most origin stories are and not you know a terrible redone over and over again origin story uh a la Spider-Man, once again with the Spider-Man hate. Um, you got anything else that you'd like people out there to know, Aaron? I'm kind of sad that we didn't start this because we were bit by a radioactive podcast now. Um, I think getting bit by a radioactive podcast, A, would be kind of hard, but B, could give us some terrible powers. It'd be great. But yeah, no, we've got our Facebook up, we've got our Twitter up. Uh, Facebook is Two Nerds Walk In. Just look it up, you'll come straight to our page. Um... All of the other social media things are on the way. Yep, so feel free to get in touch with us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, we will hear from you soon. So this is going to be Two Nerds Walking Out. I am Randy Boyles. And this is Aaron Tymack. And see you guys next time.